Central Florida, this is Dr. Simone alongside Dr. Samuels and Dr. Wilkerson. Join us every Friday at 7.35 p.m. for Central Florida Education Pioneers. You do not want to miss this. back on air it is now 737 my time huh okay well we are here and we are ready to get the afternoon start we have a full house what? a full house um, welcome everyone those who are on streaming on WOKB 1680 thank you for joining us tonight and those who are on our Instagram and our Facebook pages, we appreciate you being here with us tonight. We have a 30-minute packed show for you tonight. And in the house, we have Dr. Pringle. Hello, hello. <laughs> well, you cannot see him because all the way over there, we are in our social distancing. So um, those who are on Facebook, you can see me here. Oh, Instagram. Oh, yeah, Instagram can see you guys yeah. there. What am I talking about? And then um, Dr. Amanda. Hello, Central Florida. This is Dr. Wilkerson, your urban education. Yeah, I'm going to shout myself out. <laughs> I don't care what y'all say. I work very hard for those letters behind my name. Listen, I'm not okay? hating. All that writing that I do and agonize over, I did give myself a break because, hey, the world is, you know, on fire. But Central Florida, I love you, and I'm in the house tonight. There we go. And Amanda is all the way in the corner. Dr. Wilkerson, I'm hello. so Okay, I'm so, oh, sorry. Dr. Wilkerson is all the way in the corner. I am. You know how she feels about her title. You gotta Get it right. About those earned numbers. <laughs> put some respect on it. There we go. And, of course, we have Dr. Shelly Samuels. Hi, guys. Happy Friday, Shout out to my teachers online and those who are listening. And I do want to give uh, just a special shout out to uh, Miss Maureen, Miss Maureen Strawn. She has been listening to the station before I was even listening to it. And she's on here um, all the time and especially Saturdays. That's her station. If you go wow. to her house. Wow. Yes. Yeah, wow. So wow. thank you, Maureen. Yeah. I love you. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And then. Who, uh, who is introducing you? Oh. And oh. and leaving the best for last. Oh, you are too funny, <laughs> Doctor Simone. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Is that her radio voice? Yeah, That's her radio voice, right? Right. We all need one. I know, I know. Well, as mentioned, well, thanks everyone for being here. It's muggy outside. It's rainy, but we are here, and we are not going to stop um, with the show. So, um, with that being said, let's pause for a second yeah. for the cause. So, Central Florida, this is Amanda Wilkerson, and I want to encourage you all to pause for the cause. Tonight, I am featuring an educator that's all the way in Arkansas, Little Rock, Arkansas, to be exact. We want to go ahead and shout out Dr. Malcolm Glover, Philander Smith College, and HBCU, a historically black college and university Ooh. in Philander. Don't wow. worry, folks, he's also a Ooh. rattler, but we want to give him a shout out. <laughs> it's okay, Dr. Pringle. I, all right? I won't hold that again. It's okay. It's okay. Um, but I do want to give him a shout out for all of the work that he's doing. I recently saw a presentation that he gave uh, in Arkansas, and he's really just talking about what are we doing in a discursive way about civil discourse. So mm. there you go, Dr. Nice. Glover. Shout on out to you. Great job. Thank you. He just texted me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is awesome. And once again, our pause for the cause is to recognize our educators who are on the front line, ensure that our scholars or students are learning 
So we definitely want to um, say thank you, thank you, thank you. So as mentioned, so we have had Dr. Pringle here for two times within what, a month or a yes. couple of weeks. Compared to the fact that we haven't seen him in years. Forever. So thanks for this show. Right? For bringing us together. All right, right? Yes. Now, for those who missed it on Facebook, um, this last week, Wednesday. No, this past Wednesday. This past Wednesday. Oh, you missed it. And I hope you guys saw our What did Facebook we miss? Dr. Pringle, tell, tell Dr. Enlighten Wilkerson us. about this. Enlighten her. So on uh, Wednesday, I had a panel um, of representatives from various HBCUs on Bethune-Cookman University, Florida A&M University, Clark Atlanta University, and Claflin University. Um, and the topic and what we discussed was um, re-envisioning teacher education programs at HBCUs mm -hmm. gotcha. um, post-COVID. Mm -hmm. Nuisance or necessity, based on the conversation, we all came to the general consensus that it is a necessity. Um, so in that discussion, we were really, and it was a good mix of people. Uh, we had deans, we had people in other leadership roles in colleges of education, um, professors, and we were really able to talk about um, moving forward how we want to reshape our programs, how we want to incorporate social justice aims, how do we innovate um, in ways that some other universities are doing for us, and with that, how do we create partnerships to get what it is that that we need and um, for the individuals that were on the first question I actually posed on that panel was is there a need for us to redefine education mm. and what education looks like and I'll be honest I thought the answer would be yes we do but the answer was actually we don't necessarily need to redefine the purpose we need to redefine our processes but with that, what do you think about that? Because I, I think that that's an easy way not to answer the question by saying, oh, no, don't redefine the, the purpose, just the process. And I don't know that the process has yeah. really worked for us. So in hearing it, I, I have my own personal thoughts about it, um, because for me, I'm like, yes, redefine the purpose. But hearing them, you know. When you think about students coming from marginalized communities, um, as far as educational attainment at um, post-secondary institutions, we don't think about it like this. But when I thought about me as a teenager going to college, my goal was make bread. Mm. I want to make money so I can mm. make it rain after I graduate. <laughs> It's not working out. Now, how yeah, how's you that? Had me. <laughs> <laughs> you said that. So, you know, but in, in, in redefining the processes, what they were saying is that in redefining what those processes are, the purpose is going to innately or naturally start to shift. Um, so thinking about, you know, social justice aims, how do we incorporate that? How are we innovative in our approaches? And, and I, I was really shocked because um, – Shout out to FAMU. Oh, um, <laughs> shout out to FAMU, but I'm also going to say shout out to no, FAMU's dean, Dr. Allison Watson, oh, who is no, a graduate no, of no, Bethune-Cookman no. University. <laughs> um, but just she is there were she's brilliant. She is awesome. There were um, two individuals from FAMU, um, Dr. Allison Watson um, and Dr. Vanessa Pitts Bannister, mm -hmm. who was on there. And they were talking about some of the things that they are doing. Dr. Hill from Clark Atlanta University. I was really shocked because and talking about innovating and resources and how do we change the thought process. So I, I, I think some of you may be familiar, but UCF has Teach Live. Yeah. And Teach Live. I don't like Teach Live. You don't? I, I, I think that it doesn't give, you know, they're in education. 
and, and I'm not speaking as an employee of, of UCF. I'm speaking as an independent researcher, right? Gotcha. All right. But I think the education system is filled with um, implicit biases mm-hmm. that teachers bring with them. And I don't think that Teach Live goes far enough to check people on their different positionalities related to, let's say, race, for example, mm-hmm. right? You have a cartoon character, for example, that's um, an animated character that's voiced by someone that's not always of color. Um, and, and they're giving us, I think, their best guess at how Jamal will respond, but it's Susie behind that. Yeah. So that's problematic yeah. for me. So I, I think the good thing about that is maybe in bringing Teach Live, so Teach Live is a simulator Um, For those of you who are out there in which we kind of simulate the classroom experience, not just the classroom experience. Um, I participated in it where I've got to give um, school administrators feedback on on supervision based on what I saw in the simulation. Um, But FAMU is going to be probably the first HBCU to have a Teach Live-like simulation, and they are ahead of everybody else because they're, they've been thinking months ago, okay, we need to do something and what is that going to look like? And maybe FAMU is the place that uses Teach Live to break down those implicit biases. Well, they be using Teach Live that, that, or they will be constructing a version of their own. I believe, I believe it's the actual Teach Live. But to me, that was huge because for a long time when I was at UCF as a student, I think UCF was the only institution with Teach Live in the country. Yeah, mm. they were. Yes, I mean, I've gone to UCF for all my degrees. We forgive her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so silly. I didn't find myself, okay, until later on in life. But um, and and w- with my bachelor's, they were using Teach Live at that time. Yeah. But I think isn't that kind of problematic, especially as we look into what the classroom demographic looks like yep. and the black and brown faces that are in there and the fact Point. that the schools that we want them to go to, yeah. the HBCUs, aren't even up to date yeah. with the with the resources and the technology that And that was that was need. a lot of the conversation. I mean, we talked about the, the major takeaways for me. The major takeaways for me is that um, everybody on the panel did see a need to restructure in some way, whether it be redefining purpose, redefining processes, restructuring. But to me, the fact that people were able to say, you know what, we have to change something in a major way, whatever that is, that was a good thing. I don't know. I, I think we're letting them all too easy. And I say this with all due respect to HBCUs because, you know, that's home for me. Like, mm-hmm. they watered the uh, seeds that my, my parents planted in me in terms of, you know, believing that I could be anything I wanted yeah. to be, right? But at the same time, I really want to I suggest that HBCUs, in terms of what they do to um, support student dignity and prepare mm-hmm. um, leaders to go out and not just be in a vocation but be a part of a calling, that there is more to education that they can offer than to maybe uh, duplicate an effort that was done at a PWI. So that's where we got into the social justice aims part and and understanding, you know, the need for HBCUs still to this day. Mm -hmm. Um, I am hopeful that, and this is what I think, I do believe that these institutions, because Clark Atlanta University is using a similar system as well. It's not Teach Live? It's not Teach Live. It's very close to Teach Live through a partnership that they have with someone. 
and we're giving her a teach live free advertisement. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, yeah. what yeah. if that yeah. was a black like, company? Yeah. I'm just being real. What if that was it. a black company where we kept talking about their name and people in the airwaves they hear for, and they would make. And so in my mind, I'm just like, let's not be lazy with this ideation process. But this is my thought. What I feel is going to happen, honestly. I feel that in implementing those things, and you're dealing with, um, and again, much love to Dr. Watson, that whole group of people that were on that panel were so innovating to me in their thought processes. So my goal is, in, or my hope is, in them utilizing these things that they're able to put their own spin on it, as we've always done. Right. As we've always done. We have this point. How do we take this and manipulate it and manufacture it in a way that it fits for us so I, I honestly to me that would be a good research exploration point That's we have point. this yeah now how do we use this same program like you said to break down implicit biases mm-hmm. how do we use these to push social justice to aims give kids how do we diversify yeah. the avatars that are hold there? that thought because it's getting warm in here <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna take a quick break and recognize our advertiser for this afternoon's program which is parent choice games and we'll be right back. Having trouble striking a balance between study time and playtime in your household? Those days are over. Parent Choice Games, your spot for products that are fun and educational. Visit them online at www.parentchoicegames.org. That's parentchoicegames.org. All right, we are back. Yes, the conversation is going on. I apologize because it's a little bit off air. Um, but so it yes, was hot. you said it was hot. <laughs> yeah, I did. So we are talking about we are talking about the role of education as it pertains to blacks, as it pertains to us, our individual. And we don't want to leave others out, but this is a hot time for us to discuss what's going on now in the country. That's Absolutely. across the world, and to make sure post COVID nineteen. What are we putting in place to ensure that we are also gaining the support and we our needs are also being met? So you were saying, Dr. Pringle, pick it up. So it, it, it's interesting because it's like people have all these ideas. And I think the beauty in this thing was that we were able to um, really come together and really use it as basically a, a think tank. So like I said, one of the things that was a major theme to me was... Um, how we redefine and repurpose, right? What specific measures that we take to do that. But another thing that came up that was very powerful for me, I don't know if you were still on then, one of the questions that I ask is, um, is there a need to implement social justice aims in our program still? And what is that going to look like? Mm. And um, Dr. Barbara Hill, who's an associate dean at Clark Atlanta University and the department chair for their educational leadership program, the answer that she gave was so simple, but it like almost knocked me out of my chair. Her response was, why would we not? Hmm. And it was simple, but it was, it was so layered to me because all this stuff just starts going on in my head, thinking about the current social climate and overt and covert racism and the things that we have to deal with. We could go all the way back to yep. the origins of historically black colleges and universities where that has been a thing before it was a thing for us. Right, right. Well, I mean, universities were created to do two things, prepare teachers and preachers, right? <laughs> um, which is why, in terms of our regalia, we still wear a robe. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I've been consumed with lately, and I 
just want to put it out there is that I think that they're they over depend on black voices and blackness to teach them how to unteach things like mm-hmm. racism, discrimination, and it's a problem that's been placed on us, but I don't think that, um, at least I have grown uncomfortable with the idea that we should take responsible for teaching them how to unlearn this kind mm. of stuff. So then who's yeah. going to teach them, though? Do we, just, do we just sit and wait and hope that... The, the the couple students that are, the couple young adults that I've seen online who have been adamant about getting their parents to even just be open to the idea that um, Black Lives Matter outside of All Lives Matter we know that yeah. so even those young adults and all of them have been like high school maybe yeah. maybe early college saying to teaching their parents to say but how many of those have we seen yeah. so Not basically many. so basically three families are going to learn from their kids. Maybe yeah. three families will learn from their kids if we don't do something. Yeah. Yes, it's overwhelming. It's frustrating. We have other things. We have so many other things to do. But how are we going to definitely get there if we don't do something, if we don't take the opportunity? This is a, my, my, my friend, Eric, and I, I literally been having this conversation for the last week. My friend, Eric, who's also a family graduate. Shout it's, out to y'all. <laughs> I Only good things come him. out of family. It hurts oh, him to say it. When God that. created the world, he started with family. But it's so crazy. So... <laughs> He, the conversation that we've been having. Um, so we were protesting. Shout out to Derek. Love Derek. And we were protesting, and we went downtown, and we just went, and it was like middle-aged people. And he was like, no, this is not right. They should be in the suburbs. And he was basically saying, we need to take this to the suburbs where you know racist people are and that whole thing. And I said, well. well there's shelter for them. But this is what no. I said. I said, I don't, I don't know if I agree with that and we see some of this in schools as well where we need like sensitivity training and a lot of times we talk about culturally relevant pedagogy and I don't know if we really unpack what that really is. No we don't. It's a lot of oh we're gonna read a book about Deontay and that's not. (laughs) That's not it. My experience may not be Deontay's experience because I'm a black male. Right. But anyway I, I told him for me personally I don't know if I want to take my efforts to the suburbs. And this is why you have thousands of young people here screaming and chanting. And it's basically a call out. They are telling you, I am here for this cause. Do I really want to expend all of my effort in the suburbs with 80-year-old Nancy, who's been racist all her life? I'm probably not going to change 80-year-old Nancy. And that's okay. That is her ideology that was not okay, but that's her ideology, that's her belief. So for me, I'm just going back to what you said. It is a huge burden for us, but there are so many people out there now that have answered the call, even outside of this country. So my thing is take the youth and those younger people, those younger generations, because they're going to be able to sustain this a lot longer. And to push it forward. I agree. And, you know, I I was, I think you were on a different way because when I went down there, this, you know, recently, mm-hmm. it was like three waves. I went on the second wave, and I should say, you know, um, Dr. Samuels mentioned about who's going to educate them, or maybe it was Dr. Wilkerson. And I think it's on all of us to educate. Remember, our topic is about the role of education when it comes mm-hmm. to black. It's mm-hmm. on all of us. We cannot leave it to the parents to fully do the job. As educators, that's our calling. That's what we're here to do. Absolutely. I- One of the things that I think that I want to just kind of center our conversation around is the idea um, about 
as you said, who's going to teach them. With respect to our children and our community, I'm down with it being us. What I don't want to take on is the pressure, the emotional turmoil mm-hmm. yeah. of trying to teach Susie why it's not okay to say X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a situation that occurred at UCF with a faculty member who was on Twitter sp- sprouting all kind of things. And I have to be real with you. I'm just like, listen, he gets to compartmentalize his his job. Right. When he leaves his Twitter account, his office, that's work for him. But for me, it's life. Mm-hmm. And I really don't want to sit here and explain to him why all of that is disgustingly wrong. And that's where I'm like, I don't know who's going to teach them, but I don't have the... I don't want the burden of that anymore. I don't think we, 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 and I I agree with you. I agree with you in many aspects um, of of the points that you just made. I just, if nobody says anything, and and I read the article and I looked at it and I was very offended. And he is, he has gotten tenure and everything. So it's going to take a lot of work for for anyone (laughs) to even um, listen to what you're saying. Uh, yet he yeah. is responsible for one of the core classes that students and, have mm-hmm. to um, to take. And one of our viewers on um, Andrea Jackson on Facebook says there's a need to prepare a curriculum for the school system when it comes to diversity. So when you talk yeah. about that professor being one of the, the person who is teaching a particular course that students have to take, yeah. you have to keep that in consideration. Like, you know. The, the only problem with that, Dr. Simone, is you can't look at someone and say, you're racist. You can't. Right. You can't. You, you can't. Right. You can't. Right. You have rights. You have white privilege, and you're using <laughs> and, and it. And not only you that, you can't do that. No, you right? can't. There's sure. so many right. microaggressions when we, when we, when y- yeah. y'all know what it's like to teach in a college classroom. Yeah. Well, we can say X, Y, and Z, and it be fully vetted by other researchers and validated with research. But it came out of our black mouth. So your students, we had a discussion in my class. I did not want to turn the table and talk about anything. But one of my students was just like, no, I'm putting up my Black Lives Matter background. She had on her Black Lives Matter shirt. And when we started talking about ethics, she was like, well, I have a problem that the universities are doing X, Y, and Z. Have and I was like, okay, we taking that turn. I got many emails that night saying, thank you so much that mm. we were able to talk about this in yeah. class. Given the I, but I also got emails from Karen, Becky, who were just like, I'm very uncomfortable with this topic. See this now. Right. See now. Right. So now. let's talk now. real. Now. Let's talk See? real. Because in K-12, eh, but in higher ed, people bring their whole brain into the room and Correct. they tell you when they're uncomfortable. Oh, believe it. In K-12, too, they'll tell you. Yeah, you have, you have those students so, and basically so. those classes, I feel like I have parents in there. Yeah. So here's my question. Being uncomfortable, does that mean it's an excuse not to just talk about it? Oh, yes, but you're held more responsible than the next person. So now for me, and in, in thinking about that, that from a systematic standpoint, somehow that needs to be broken down to where we get to a place where it's not uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. It needs to be uncomfortable. We're talking about 400 years. Absolutely. Watching TV makes me uncomfortable right now. You know, looking at the news articles make me uncomfortable. I like that you mentioned that. Sorry to cut you off. It needs to be uncomfortable. From a mental health point of view, a person who's going through grieving or going through any trauma or so forth, before they get to the part where they're able to 
deal with it and have some sort of resolution, they have to get uncomfortable. Yeah. They have to get down and dirty, like tears running down snotty nose. Mm-hmm. They have to get dirty. So we need to, yes, we need, you know, I don't want to, be, I want to sound insensitive, but we need to make That's this real. topic uncomfortable in order for us to come to resolutions. But okay. you know, it goes back to something I said before. I think probably the first time I was here and going back to redefining education, in K-12, where it's all about academics, there are a lot of people who aren't going to see the value of the need to do that yep. in a system that's just about academics. Yeah. Again, I am one, um, I won't state my personal views, but just go read Miseducation of the Negro. Yeah. Um, however, if we date back to, again, when education was about civility, what's so interesting to me is it's so juxtaposed because in a time where racial tension was all, well, we're living in the same time basically right now, but you're talking about 50s and 60s where it was a huge thing, but the purpose of education was to increase civility. What if we flipped the script and that was the The thing now, now. where there are actual rights and people have freedoms. Mm -hmm. And then one thing I want to say too is that I do not want to give, and I'm just going to be real because that's the only way Amanda knows how to be. Uh, I'm sorry, Dr. Wilkerson. (laughs) Okay. Amanda came out. (laughs) I really don't want to give shelter to white people because what they do is they take something like a culturally relevant pedagogy, they put it in a rubric, they create rubrics that they're comfortable with, they create activities around those com- the rubric that they're comfortable with, and then we get a watered down version of something that's supposed to help our kids. Then they put a picture of you on it. Sorry, lady. So <laughs> <laughs> she's getting fiery. She is getting fiery. And, and and I'm okay with the pictures if you had a, a, a an equal up. part yeah. in in the implementation of these ideas that you know will work for your students. But if you're just doing that to grab our attention or so we we send it to a particular school because of this the specific population, then then that doesn't make sense. We've been used for so long. Yeah. So, and I I kind of know the answer to this, but I just want to see where everybody. So what do we do? Because when we think about K-12 education and higher education, we put culturally relevant pedagogy as a huge thing. And I'll be honest with you, I see it done incorrectly so often. um, And people don't really even understand. There's a criteria that establishes what culturally relevant pedagogy is. Aside from that, we're throwing out the terms, is it culturally relevant pedagogy? Is it culturally responsive teaching? Is it culturally Mm -hmm. relevant? Those things are different. They're all different. So in a case like that, in K-12 education, what would you all suggest we do to make it meaningful Mm. and sustainable and impactful? You know, I know we only have two minutes to go, but uh, one of our viewers mentioned, you remember when back in the classroom days, we used to have Black History Month and we we dedicated Mm -hmm. time to educate our scholars about what it meant those individuals have gone before us. One of our um, viewers mentioned Black History Month is hardly ever discussed in the classroom anymore. And if they do, they always talking about slaves. Like we had a almost cussed a president. <laughs> Don't that you was dare. Black. I know. Sorry, Lady D. Amanda, so, Amanda what, came out, Lady what D. Okay. Listen, <laughs> Amanda is real, and that's all she knows. Go, go ahead. Ahead. She so, so, so what I want to what I want to propose to your question, you're like, oh my God, what do we do? Yeah. Is that mm. we have to take back control of the curriculum because right now, what we do, we know how to help our kids, right? Mm-hmm. We don't know how to help other people in our profession who don't look like us get it. And one of the things I think that we need to have is a real conversation about teacher dispositions when it comes to race. They can talk to me mm. all day about special education, about high needs population. But the reality is we don't want to talk about Susie 
who has a different lived experience from the students that she's teaching, Jamal and them, and then the minute that Jamal mama come at her the wrong way and raise her voice, she don't want to teach them anymore. It's a threat to her life. We really need to, if we don't center the conversation there, all we're going to do is talk around the real issue, which is sometimes white teachers, they come to the classroom with their problems and we ignore it because they have their degree. Listen, listen to this. Um, Noxie on Instagram need said, need. what I um, she mentioned her coming for was, um, because I do not understand teaching children, but you can discuss the issue that plague them. I asked her to elaborate some more. And she said, what I mean is, if a conversation about black lives make you uncomfortable and you want to avoid it, I can't understand teaching them. Yep. And that's a good point. I know we're coming out of time. So you only want to learn what you want what to What you learn. want to learn and yeah. what you think matters to. We yeah. are going to wrap things up. So I want to get your yeah. final comments, starting, starting with Dr. Pringle. Um, this is huge. Like, it is. Uh, like it's uh, over the course of this last week, it's it's like worn me down so much, and especially as a black male who you know is interested in serving other black males and and, and giving them a voice and a platform. Um, this is a lot, but I think it's gonna. It, I know it's gonna take a lot more than what we're yeah. saying. Yeah. Um, we've been saying this since. Well, not me, but people have been saying this for years. And now I think I posted something on Facebook the other day, and, and it was an asterisk, and it said, me staring at this country as mm. the remnants of racism and oppression combust right before our wow. eyes. Wow. That's exactly mm. what is happening. Wow. So, you know, we really need to get a gauge on that. And, and I think for me personally, in my own personal reflection, I am thinking about how do – I do my part in moving the needle yep. forward because I am a black man. And honestly, it, sh it should not be my problem, as Dr. Wilkinson said. I think the general notion with most black people now is I'm not trying to change anybody. You do the work. You have to do the work for yourself. But I did want to say something, um, and then I'll be done about what we talked about. We talked about those, bases, those biases with Jamal and Susie. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There is another layer to that in which sometimes you have little Ashton that's black, that lives in the suburbs that's not treated like Jamal that's because true. he lives in the suburbs. Mm, that's so true. that's another piece that's true. that we have to break down as well because people are so diverse and I've seen it firsthand. And we're not monolithic. You have right. this you have this one black kid from the projects, you have this another black kid from the you know from the suburbs and they're treated completely different. different. What's your last um, point Dr. Wilkinson? Oh, y'all came to me. Well, <laughs> you're not ready. No, no, I, no, no, no. So I guess just just for the sake of brevity, because I know I want to be courteous to the co my other co-hosts. But I think the most important thing is that we do need to have these conversations. You said we've been having a long time, but these conversations haven't always had us at the table. Us young, educated, black. You understand what I'm saying? The way my mother, God bless her, who is a veteran um, educator, administrator, approaches this conversation. She She's listening to this conversation is going to be very different from me. Like she's in love with Barack Obama. I can critique Barack Obama. Mm -hmm. So we're at the table. And I think that there's going to come a time when we got to push away from the table and say, okay, let me bring up the next leader. Yeah. And we don't do that in the black community. What we do is we hold on to the table forever and ever. Amen. And then die. And then we have to figure out what to do next. Okay. I mean, because we, we do what we know. We do what feels That's comfortable. So true. Right. Yeah. That's you continue to do. And I think that I think part of my responsibility as a classroom teacher is to implement in areas where I don't see it. Those ideas, those those individuals that I believe 
um, had an, uh, an impact and created a foundation. And I think although, for example, like I know I'm obligated to use a, a specific curriculum, I think my little part can be in every one of those lessons, mm -hmm. <clears throat> in every one of those lessons, what can I help my students to learn? So it may not be, we're not asking you to go out there and, and, and yell at your white students or, or send the email you really want to say to that parent that is really getting on your nerves, right? We're just saying just do one day at a time that little thing that you could do so you know that once they've left. And, and I have to give, really quickly, I have to give credit to Dr. Pringle because um, you've always taken the time to educate your students about the black community yeah. and about their black ancestors from grade seven grade six yeah. all the way until now so i think it's those little things that i would see him do i'm like what are you kids doing today oh there's a a, a book about a, a black immigrant and and the struggles that he had and the students are reading it. it has nothing to do with what the rest of us are doing yeah. but at the end of the day they're able to say okay this thing really happened and mm -hmm. it impacts me because it's a child that looks like me. Can I so say I appreciate this? That. And maybe this is another topic for a different show, but we also have to discuss this idea that James Baldwin talked about when he talked about the problem of incrementalism mm -hmm. and the glacier pace of progress. Mm -hmm. Because I think sometimes we allow too little to happen when we need to treat it as Dr. King said with a little bit of urgency of now. Mm -hmm. So um, well, yes, time is up enough, up enough, <laughs> you know. We could go on. As a matter of fact, we may even go on after we shut this down here at WOKB because so it's yeah. some hot topic. And tonight our conversation centered around, you know, the role of education when it comes to blacks. And with all that's going on, we have to put the topic there. And I concur with Dr. Wilkerson, Dr. Pringle, and Dr. Samuels regarding we all have a role to pay, uh, play. And each of us, we're playing our own roles, and I will do the same in pushing that needle forward because we have to step up and speak up. Sitting down and be a bystander can no longer work. We cannot, you know. And and I, for me, it, it's it hit it hits home because I'm a mother yeah. of you know three boys and a little girl that they are going to come up the next 10, 15 years. What will I have done to make sure their lives are better? I'm an aunt. You know, of, of, of black boys, my, my eldest nephew, he's graduated from college, working now. He's a grown man, you know, and I cannot imagine seeing him under anyone's knee. Come and on, man. I can't. That is just, I cannot, you know. Thinking about it makes me angry. Yes. You know, and I'm a sister. My brothers are older, one in Colorado and the other one in Atlanta. I cannot imagine that. What am I, what are we doing to ensure that? When we step up and speak out, our voices are heard, and not just for a week, not for a month, and I pray this yes. is not just for a season. Right. We have to keep this going because we yeah. need to make our voices heard to change the future. Yeah. Okay? okay? What happened huh? to COVID, guys? <laughs> what happened to COVID? We started talking about the real issues in the community. Uh -huh. <laughs> Well, on that note, we hate to leave you, but continue to support us. Um, we are on Instagram, Facebook. You can cash app, cash app us for your donation to keep us on air. Um, and those educators who are out there, keep doing the great jobs. We yes. love you. Thank you, We guys. love you. You're a Congratulations, Malcolm. Yes. <laughs> um, I appreciate it. And once again, next week, join us. We will have time for questions. Yes, viewers. We know you're bursting at the seam. You want to call in. <laughs> we know that. Next week is your week. You will be able to call all in we got you we want to hear from you so join us next week we're over by oh my gosh oh <laughs> don't, look, don't, don't, look, look, don't look don't look at us lady d we're sorry thank you all my once glasses again. is not working <laughs> <laughs> See, 
Why <laughs> you came over here and took my clock? <laughs> That's what it is. She said we but took her clock and hit it. good and so real in a time like this? Yes. I just, call me old-fashioned, call me a dreamer. But I think finally, finally, the price was really, really expensive to pay. But I think a change is coming. A change and is coming. what you've been talking I about, like what you've been dreaming about, and afraid to even mention in class, that day is going to come when it yeah. will be the norm, and the switch will be flipped, and just like how they can talk about it, and the kid don't go home and say that black teacher was talking about... <laughs> Hello, somebody. <laughs> it's coming. It right, is. Lady it Come on to the table. <laughs> room. Dr. Lady D. <laughs> Y'all are just... I mean, I can't wait for next week. Oh. Yes, folks, you'll be able to call in. I just see you just they, they, texting, texting. Lady D, how, they can't open the line. No, they're not. not this week. Next week. Next you week. Promise. Next yes. week. Yes. Thank you all once again. We appreciate you. Stay safe. Our, those individuals who are out there on the front line um, yeah. for COVID-19, we appreciate it. Please, please be safe. And remember, our social distancing continue. Okay? Yes. Safety first. When you go protesting, wear your mask. It's important. Thank you once again. Until next week, we're out. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> Join right, us so again every Fridays at 7.35 p.m. We are the Central Florida Education Pioneers.